I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Toby Altizer with you for another hour and a half here leading up to Nationals baseball here on the fan. Just a reminder, here on the fan, following the Nats game, you can hear the Hokies as they take on Old Dominion. So keep it tuned here on 106.7 The Fan. All throughout the evening as we got Nationals baseball and then Hokies football Right here for you on 106.7 The Fan. So still talking about the commanders and confident concerns. What are you feeling about this team? What are you most confident? What are you most concerned in 800-636-1067? You want to hop in on the MGM National Harbor listener lines? You can tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. So Chris, you haven't had a chance to chime in yet. You got anything you're confident, concerned? Where are you feeling on this team right now? I mean, it it's a weird year this year. You know, nobody's talking Super Bowl. Nobody's talking, you know, they have to win a playoff game for everything to go right. So I'm my conf- I'm not that worried about anything. I just want to see how the team works and I feel it's it's a big progress year and it's all about Sam Howell, you know. It's uh how much are we going to see him adapt and grow this year? Cuz you know, everybody's already worried about the blitzes and how he reads blitzes, but I'm not that worried about how he reads them in week one. I'm worried about how he's reading those in week 14, 15, you know? Is he Um, showing growth? Yeah, exactly, you know, because I'm not not really worried about where the commanders end up. I want to see progress, though. It doesn't have to be on the the record, but I want to see progress on the team, especially on that offense, you know? Yeah, that's interesting because when you look at it, Ron Rivera, if they just show progress, but the record isn't good, he's probably done. You know, that that's kind of where it's at with him. But I think that's a really good astute point. Like, going forward, if Sam Howell can show you that, okay, this can be the quarterback going forward, or at least for next season as well, then you feel confident about that because he's shown growth. And so even if it's something where you're bringing in a new coaching staff, I don't hate the idea that if they start slow a little bit, but they improve throughout the year and show something to you that they're at least getting better throughout the season – I think you got to feel decent about that, even if it means the record isn't as good as you'd like. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. But so to put it in contrast, I'm also a Phoenix Suns fan. I used to live out in okay. Phoenix, and they're like the opposite, where it's like they have to win a championship this season or else it's a bust. <laughs> you know, like if Enjoy if they Bradley don't win Hill. it all, then everything they've done, there's the several draft picks in the future they've given up and everything. It's like it's all a bust if they don't win this year, and I don't feel that pressure. Being the Commanders fan this year, you know, I can just kind of see how it goes, watch progress, and then maybe in a year or two, get some pieces in, see what they draft, and 
and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, so. there's so much uncertainty around this team right now because of the quarterback position, because of the new offensive coordinator, that it you're right. There's not like the regular expectations of like, oh, this team's going to go far. It's almost more of a, let's wait and see. You know, maybe it's something where they come out week one and look good, or maybe they go on the road and, you know, they're 2-0 and if they go on the road to Denver and look good. Then maybe you'll see the expectations like, oh, yeah, playoffs and winning the division. Maybe that's when you'll see it, but I think you're right about that. Like, even just looking around Twitter and stuff, like, fans are excited about the season, and, you know, they want to see them. Super hyped, yeah. They want to see them above 500 and oh, hopefully yeah. make you it You always want to root for a winning team, but I don't think anyone's like, well, we got a new owner and we're going to win the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, that's not part of the conversation, you know, but but who knows? Maybe they, maybe they can eke out a way to get into a wild card slot or something come, come December, you know? Like, that'd be great. Yeah. No, I mean, that's an interesting thing because, you know, last year even when you look at it, they trade for Carson Wentz, and it's not like anyone expected him to be the best quarterback ever, but they're like, maybe, maybe, maybe they found the guy that he gets back to that MVP level, and you're like, okay, they could go on a playoff run. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, us delusional fans at times do. You know, you you try to find the best possible case, but I don't even feel like the the diehards that find the perfect thing that wear the burgundy and gold colored glasses all the time. I don't even think that they're looking at it and like, oh yeah, we're going to go far this year. I think they're looking at it the same as all the rational fans as well. Just like you said, let's wait and see. Let's see what we got and how. Let's see some growth. Let's see what the enemies got. I think it's a, it's an interesting year. And obviously you got the excitement with the new owner and stuff too. So I think it's going to be a fun season to watch those things. Yeah, I'll be honest. This is the first time in several years I'm excited again for a commander season at the start of the season. The last few years I have not been. And this season, and I don't think it's just the ownership, but it's 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 exciting to follow them this year, you know? And it's glad to have that feeling back. You know, I've been so let down by them for so long. No doubt. Know? No doubt. You got anything that you're confident or concerned in? 800-636-1067. Want to get into some discussion about maybe some tiebacks to the old name without going back to the old name. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes, but I want to give you the couple of things I'm concerned with on the offensive side of the ball. Number one, we have to talk about it because I think it'd be everyone's top concern if you asked them, or at least a majority, and that's the offensive line. But I'm not as concerned as everyone else. It's still the number one concern on the football team, in my opinion, but I'm not as concerned because I think if you look left to right across this line, where you're going to start Charles Leno at left tackle, you're going to start Sadiq Charles at left guard, Nick Gates at center, Sam Cosme at right guard, Andrew Wiley at right tackle. If I were to go across the offensive line and give you a confidence level on a scale of 1 to 10 on each offensive lineman, where I'd be at, I think if we did Charles Leno, I think you could do a 6.5 out of 10, somewhere around there, maybe a 7, maybe a 6. I think 6.5 is about right for me. Like I think that last season people think he was just Awful. Down the stretch, he was bad. Those Giants games, he was atrocious. Kayvon Thibodeau was just running around him like he wasn't even there. But I thought up until that point, which remember, those Giants games were very late in the year, I thought up until that point, he played pretty solid. So I expect him to get back to that similar level. It's not like he's an all-pro, he's not a Pro Bowl left tackle, but he's solid. And that's that's enough for me if they can work together as a unit. So I would say 6.5 out of 10 for me on Charles Leno. You go to left guard with Sadiq Charles. If you want to lump Chris Paul in there, because inev- inevitably you're probably going to see Chris Paul at some point, whether it's a Charles injury or he doesn't play up to snuff, whatever the case may be. I think in that position, 
I'd say four and a half, five, just because I think that you could be rotating between the two of them. If you're looking for a guy that can get out and pull, I think Sadiq Charles is your guy. If you're looking for a guy that's a little more of a mauler and does a really good job in, you know, in his little area without being able to be as mobile, Chris Paul's your guy. But I don't think they're bad, but I, they're also not stud worthy, right? They're they're going to be okay. Nick Gates at center, I'd probably put around that same sort of level, five and a half, six. I just haven't seen him enough to know. I think he'll be okay. Concerns about some of the high snaps, those seem to go away a little bit as training camp rolled on, but we'll have to see if that pops back up in the regular season. But I'm not all that concerned on these guys. Do you have any issue with what I've said so far? No. The the only thing I think that everyone, you know, everyone's looking at the offensive lines a weak spot, as you're saying. But I think the thing that people forget also, because they're like, you know, oh, you know, Howell can kind of run and be an enemy game plan. But the other thing that like a weak offensive line does is they get holding calls and we'll get them That's on like true. first downs and stuff. And then you're just working like you can have a really great drive and then you get a holding call on a first down and that you're punting, you know, That's it's true. And, and that stuff can just kill a drive. And it doesn't really show up on the stat sheet the same way. But uh, I always worry about weak offensive lines having a lot of holds that just dig you into bad holes. You know? And that's a really good point because this offense, I think, is going to be fine as long as they're not beating themselves. Like, if they continue to just move the ball forward and they're not taking big losses in the run game, they're not taking sacks, and they're not giving up penalties, I think they'll be okay and be able to move the chains. But – this offense isn't something, and really not many NFL offenses are, where if you a lot get of ifs. <laughs> Well, and it's one of those things, like, if this offense picks up five yards on first down, and then second down they pick up the first down, but then they get a holding call, and all of a sudden it's second and 15, there's not a whole lot of offenses in the NFL that are built to pick up 15 yards and two plays like that, that are going to be equipped to do, you know, when you're behind the chains in this offense, there's going to be some issues there. So I think that's a really astute point, like, the holding penalties absolutely cannot come because there's ways to scheme around if you're a little bit porous on the offensive line. There's no way to scheme around if you're giving up 10-yard penalties all the time. I mean, that's where that wide receiving core will come in. <laughs> no doubt. Know. No doubt. And as we finish just kind of going across the offensive line, like I said, I think about a 6.5 for Leno in terms of trust on a scale of 1 to 10. You know, maybe a 5, 5.5 or so, somewhere around there. Four and a half, maybe, just because of the fact that they might ch- change at left guard between Charles and Paul. Center, Nick Gates, five, five and a half. I just haven't seen enough of him. But I think he's going to be okay. I actually think Sam Cosme is going to be really good at right guard. I think that kicking in from tackle to guard, I think he's going to be good. So if I had to give a confidence level, he's going to be the highest of the group. And it might be a seven, and by the end of the year, it might be an eight. Because I think he's going to be a really good guard. He's shown that throughout the preseason throughout training camp, I think he's going to be really good inside there. If they were to have to kick him out to tackle at some point because of injuries or something, maybe there's a little concern there. But I think in terms of right guard, I think that Sam Cosme is going to be very good there. Andrew Wiley, I know a lot of people are super concerned about him. I'm not as concerned. I know that he's not going to be, again, a all-pro right tackle, but I would put him right in that same range as a guy like a Nick Gates, maybe even... I wouldn't say higher, but probably somewhere right in that same five and a half, five range. Like, it's not good by any means. For a young quarterback like Sam Howell, you would like for me to have much higher grades across the offensive line. But my thing about this, and the reason that I'm not as concerned as a lot of people are, is because if you can have a bunch of those sort of levels, we don't have any threes, we don't have any twos, it's a bunch of fives, sixes, and I'm pretty confident in a guy like a Sam Cosme, If they can work together as a unit, 
which is something that they're going to have to continue to grow throughout the season. But if there's a unit out on the football field that depends more on teamwork, football's the ultimate team game. But if there's a one singular unit that depends more on that teamwork aspect than any, it's the offensive line. I can take a bunch of C-level linemen, and if I can coach them up to work together really well as a unit, I can scheme to work together, and I can turn that C-level offensive line into an A-level offensive line just because of the fact that they're working so well together. And then vice versa, you saw this at the beginning of the year with Cincinnati last year. They spent a lot of money on that offensive line, Lyle Collins, guys like that, and they struggled at the beginning of the year because they didn't work well together. And so they were an A-level unit in terms of talent that played more like a C-level unit. By the time they mesh, they turn into a pretty good offensive line. My point is, if they can find a way to work together as a unit, they might not have the talent that you would like on this offensive line, but I think overall, if they can work together and then Biennemi can scheme and those two things work together, I think the offensive line can be better than what people expect. I think I think that that just takes time to develop, though. That's 100%. not something you can rush, and it's not something you can do in just a preseason or or one off season or whatever. It's you just got to get out there and grind. Yeah, I mean know? that's something that's reps, and that's why I liked the fact that the interior was playing in that third preseason game. I need the guys to play. I need them to play together. There's no way to re- replicate what you're going to see in a game other than just playing in a game. So these offensive linemen, it's going to take some time, I would expect, but I think that. It's definitely a concern because, like you mentioned with the holding penalties, that can set you back. At some point, I can dial up the perfect plays and help you as much as possible with rolling pockets, running draws, running screens, doing everything I possibly can if I'm Eric Bieniemy. But at some point, if you're just getting beat one-on-one every single time, well, there's not much I can do. So I think that overall, they're going to be okay. I think that they're not going to be good by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that there are ways that they can work around it, is what I'm saying. Like I get that the big concern is still the offensive line. But I think that with enemy, a grown-up play caller, a guy that understands how to adjust, and an offensive line that I think has okay talent, if they can mesh those things and enemy can find ways to slow everything down, I don't think the offensive line is going to hinder the offense like a lot of people think. Because I think a lot of people look at the offensive line and think, they're never going to be able to throw a deep shot. They're never going to be able to run the ball. Like, I understand where you're coming from, and I get all of those things. And maybe early in the season we see some of those things. But I think that overall, this offensive line is not going to be as terrible as people think. It's not going to be a top 10 unit in the league. It might not even be a league average unit in the league. But if it's somewhere around 20th, I think it'd be an improvement from what people are expecting it to be probably somewhere around 30th, 28th. So I think there's a way that they can be better. But again, it's not as if this unit's going to be good. There's still going to be things that hold them back, and there's probably going to be portions of the playbook that the enemy would like to get to that'll depend on more protection, and he just can't go there. Those are the sort of things that maybe will hold the offense back, but I don't think it's a huge portion of the playbook that they're going to have to avoid because of the offensive line. Want to take a break? We'll continue talking about this. I haven't been able to get through all of my things that I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with one more thing on offense, but if you want to hop in, 800-636-1067. Again, 800-636-1067. You have some concerns about this football team. What are they? Give me a call or tweet me at Toby underscore Altizer. We'll continue the discussion next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 1067 The Fan, Odyssey app, Toby Altizer with you up until 3.30 where we turn it over to Charlie and Dave for Nats Baseball. Talking about concerns about the commanders, you have any, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor listener lines. Got one more I want to get to on the offensive side of the football, but first, let's get out to Kelvin and Clinton. What's going on, dude? Hey, how's it going? Good afternoon, fellas. Hey, um, thanks for thanks for taking my call. I have two concerns and a question. <clears throat> my my first concern is special teams. We haven't had a special teams in 15 years, as far as uh, punt return and kick return. Uh, the second concern is linebacker play. We we don't have a sure tackler at line at the linebacker position, a thumper, somebody that's going to take down a running back on, off the first hit. And my question is, what do this coaching staff see in Dax Milne? <laughs> Why is he still on the team? They they they, they cut three receivers from the, from the roster that are better than him as far as the receiver position. And he's slow returning kicks. He's slow returning punts. He don't return punts, actually. No. I think he's just back there just to catch the ball to set the offense up, you know, on what side of the field they want the offense set up on. Yeah, I agree. Kelvin, appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I don't know what – it's obvious what they prioritize in punt return, which I think makes sense, and that is – catching the football and not muffing it. Casimir Allen basically made a mess of it in the last preseason game. I think there was a real chance that if he had a really good game returning kicks, that maybe he could have 
tried to take that spot? Because in my opinion, they came into the year with Dax Milne as the punt returner, and then unless something happened, he was going to win it. And Casimir Allen looked like he was making some moves toward it and then had a pretty bad game in that last one. And so he wasn't going to get that job taken away from him for a guy that had just muffed a punt in that final preseason game. And, you know, I don't think Dax will play that much on offense this year, maybe a little bit. He's not that special as a slot receiver. I agree with that. As a punt returner, they basically just want someone back there who can catch it, which I get to an extent, but there's also guys that you can go sign or at least try to find that can give you at least something in the return game. Kick returns are interesting because of the new rules. I'm interested to see how teams adjust to it. So the new rules, in case you didn't know, they're the same as the college rules, where anywhere inside the 25, you can fair catch it. And even if you catch it at, say, the six-yard line, it comes out to the 25. So essentially what they've done in the NFL game, depending upon if they try to circumvent it by squibbing it or different things, If they just kick it deep every time, it's going to end up being a touchback 98% of the time, it feels like. Maybe it's going to be less than that because people are going to still return. But the idea is there's going to be fewer kick returns. So I don't think the idea of trying to find a kick returner, a dynamic kick returner, is as much of importance anymore. But a punt returner, you definitely would like to have. And Dax Milne catches the ball and that's it. And so I would love for them throughout the year to continue to try and get Casimir Allen to be more consistent at catching the football. He's on their practice squad now. If they can work on his ability to field punts and he can get better at that, it was obvious that he's got some juice that Dax Milne does not have because Dax Milne (laughs) has none, to be fair. But I think those were some good concerns because you look at the return game in the special teams department, that's concerning. We'll see about kicking game. Joey Sly was solid for the most part. We'll see as that continues to go on. Tressway's fine. But I am concerned about the long snapper, Cameron Cheeseman. Now, he hasn't been an issue in his career, but this offseason he decided to work on a new grip, which I have no idea how many grips or how many different ways you can long snap. I thought it was pretty straightforward, but... I mean, when you're an expert at your craft and you're a professional, I guess there's different ways you could do things. But he was trying something new, and in turn, he's dribbled a couple snaps back to Tress. Like, he just has not been very good. So hopefully he can figure out either that new technique or just go back to the old one that was effective and never had issues before. But until then, I mean, until we get a couple weeks in the season, going to be watching Cheeseman and making sure that He's effective as a long snapper as well. So there are concerns about the special teams unit. He mentioned linebackers. I'd already talked about them a little bit. I am concerned about them. The last concern I want to get it get at uh, on the offensive side of the ball, because I want to get into some discussion about some things I heard on B. Mitch and Finley the other day. But I'm concerned about the tight end position, and I'm concerned about the depth, because I'm pretty confident in Logan Thomas's ability. If he's on the football field, that's a big if. I'm pretty confident with what we've seen this preseason. I heard Awad talking about this guy being the most improved throughout the the roster, and that being Cole Turner. I'm pretty confident with what we've seen in the preseason that he can be a solid player for this football team. I'm confident in John Bates as a blocker. Like I'm fine with those things. I'm not a big Curtis Hodges fan. I don't I think they only kept him because of the injury concerns. I don't 
he's got a lot physically in terms of talent just because of his size, but I he drops the ball too much. He, I don't think he's a NFL caliber tight end. But when you look at the top of the depth chart, you have Logan Thomas, who is constantly injured over the last couple of years. And if you get behind that, it's just Cole Turner and John Bates. And Cole Turner has a big opportunity this year to take a step forward and become a focal point of the offense, or at least a part of the offense. And I think he can do it. You saw it in the preseason that he's a very solid receiver. And he's kind of shown that the last couple of years. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field throughout the season. And he's had some injuries hamper him. But he was good in training camp last year. And he was very good in training camp this year and good in the preseason. Now it's about translating that onto Sundays. But with Logan Thomas and Cole Turner, you got two guys that are receiving tight ends that I think Cole Turner is a much better blocker this year than he was last year. But I wouldn't say he's a great blocker. John Bates is a good blocker, but he's not a great receiver. I don't necessarily need to see him running routes. So as soon as one of those guys goes down, which that's not even a knock on any of them, something's going to happen. It's football. You would expect that one of those guys is going to get hurt at some point during the season, even if it's just something minor. But I mean, think about if Logan Thomas goes down with an injury. Logan Thomas goes down. Cole Turner has to play the starting tight end role, and he has to be the lead receiving tight end. I don't like that there's only one guy because what happens if Cole Turner goes down? John Bates steps into that role. Curtis Hodges steps into that role. I don't like where they're at with the tight end position. I think that they really missed an opportunity. And this is what one thing I don't like when we go. I talked about this Albert Breer piece that he did about Ron Rivera talking about Sam Howell going as a starter. And he talked about the idea that they probably would have drafted Sam Howell earlier if They needed a quarterback, and it wasn't part of their plan to draft a quarterback. And I don't necessarily love that because if the guy's at the top of your draft board and you're sitting there in the fourth round and he's got a second-round grade, just take the quarterback. Just take that best player. This is kind of where I'm at with them. I think they went into this draft and said, we don't need tight end. You know, the Armani Rodgers injury is very hurtful to this team now. But I think they went into this draft and said, we don't necessarily need a tight end, so we won't take one. And everyone that talked about this draft said how deep it was at tight end, and it didn't even have to be in the first round or the second round. You're looking third, fourth, even fifth-round tight ends that might be able to come in and contribute for football teams, and this team just decided not to take any this year. And I think you could have easily taken a guy like Curtis Hodges' spot. It would have been nice that you could have someone that you could depend on as a receiver outside of just the top two and Logan Thomas and Cole Turner, in which both of those guys have missed time with injury in recent memory. And John Bates, again, he's a solid blocker, but I don't need to see him as a receiver all that often. You saw that in the in the preseason. Dropping some passes, that interception that was thrown by Jacoby Brissett, uh, looked like a miscommunication but between Brissett and Bates there. It's just, I'm not sold on this tight end depth. If they could stay healthy, I'm fine with the tight end room. I think it'll be better than what people expect. But that's a big if. Big if on the health concerns there. Let's get out to Jerry in Waldorf. Jerry, what's going on? Hey, how you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Jerry? Good. I had a couple of things. Uh, the coach, uh, I wanted to go with that. Um, one thing I can say about Rivera, he is very, very um, 
he he loves the guys he brings in, and he's never going to get rid of them. That's why, you know, Mims and the quarterback, all of them, them guys ain't never going nowhere. If he brought them in here, he ain't, they ain't going nowhere. The other thing I wanted to say, I think he needs to go to the front office because I think the coaching has passed him by. I mean, it's kind of he's, you know, I'm afraid for him when he had the cancer bit and all that, but he's a good guy. But the coaching aspect of the game has passed him by. I don't understand how you can be on the bubble and not have an open quarterback competition. He always says he's going to have one, but he never has one. And you just award a guy a spot after he was a fifth round, but it could have been a third round or a second. You just don't do that. You got quarterbacks in there. You got a quarterback that's on the bench that's making way more money than our starting quarterback. That means he must be a little bit better or some kind of, you know, it's, it's something there. That I just think that the, the, the game done passed our coach by, and I hope he does well. But I have a feeling that we're going to be a little disappointed this year. We're going to be a little disappointed, but I'm, I'm glad we got all the hype. Did you, uh, Jerry, did you want Jacoby Brissett to be the starter? I wanted to have an open competition, and then then we pick a quarterback. I didn't okay. want a certain quarterback. I wanted to have an open competition because I spent my money out there for the last 10 years. I mean, you know, and it's almost like I'm, I'm, I'm going to uh, tailgate. Because I already know what's going to happen, you know. So it's just sure. like I'm just going out there to tailgate because I know what's going to happen. I mean, it's eighteen dollar beers, and you're not even having an open competition. That's crazy. So what happens is going to happen. You'll see. I mean, you'll see. I mean, that's that's my take on the whole thing. Uh, it's you know, I just don't understand it. Jerry, appreciate the phone call. I'm a believer in Sam Howell, so I was fine with the way they handled the quarterback position there. But I understand if you aren't a believer in Howell and you think that it's it's wrong for Rivera to decide that it was basically Sam Howell's job and not really hold a real competition because we talked about this all throughout the offseason. It was not a competition. When Sam Howell takes 98% of first-team reps through all of training camp, it's not a competition. It's clear who the starting quarterback is. And, again, I like the idea of going with Sam Howell, but I thought it was interesting. I had a caller, I think it was last week, that brought up the point that Every single time Rivera's made a quarterback decision, it seems like it's been the wrong one. And yet, myself, others included, seem to be all aboard with what he's done with Sam Howell. I guess we'll find out if he's right this time. It's just something that I think is very intriguing, and it's a really good point brought up by these couple of callers. Again, I don't think that I would not have gone with Jacoby Brissett. And to his point, I think during training camp, Sam Howell looked better than Jacoby Brissett, and if you wanted to be negative, I think they looked about the same. If you're trying to be down on Sam Howell and be pro-Jacoby Brissett, I think that they were maybe the same if you were going to do it that way, but I think overall Sam Howell looked better. Maybe that's just because he's running with the ones, but still, I think that overall Sam Howell looked better, especially in the preseason games. And to go off of that, you know, you're looking at the future. Having Jacoby Brissett start for you for $8 million on a one-year deal your chances of sticking around and finding the guy, which you hope to be the guy, if you're Ron Rivera, it's not going to be Jacoby Brissett. It's going to be Sam Howell, so you roll with him. But again, I I think it's interesting points. I do. We're going to take a break. So I want to talk about this, though, when we come back. So I was listening to B. Mitch and Finley the other day, and they were talking about 
a possible new name. Joe Theismann was talking about this on Pat McAfee. We can talk about a new name if you want to get into that, but I want to get more so into this. Do you want to see more ties to the past? You know, they're not going back to the old name Redskins. Jason Wright made that very clear on B. Mitch and Finley the other day. But do you want to see more tie to the past? Because I think that JP brought up a really good point. B. Mitch kind of shot it down and said maybe they want to distance themselves from it. But I think it's an interesting discussion we can have. We'll do that next here on 106.7 The Fan. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Uh Uh-oh. UVA scored a touchdown, pulling it close. 35 to 10. <laughs> Toby Altizer with you up until 3.30. Turn it over to Charlie and Dave then for Nationals Baseball. And then following that's baseball here on 106.7 The Fan. You can catch Virginia Tech game as they open their season against Old Dominion. So I wanted to talk about this because JP and B. Mitch were discussing this the other day. And I've had this discussion with JP before. We were kind of just talking about it in passing. And do you want to see more of a tie to the past with this team than you have right now? Commanders, obviously the new name is nothing like the old name, but the new uniforms, nothing like the old uniforms. Like it just, it seems like a totally different team. It almost seems like you've completely left what was once a proud franchise. Like you've left everything about it. And I can understand, you know, when you're rebranding a team, you're naturally going to do some things that are different. But, you know, when you turn on the television on Sunday to watch the team play, the the uniforms are totally different. There's obviously you're going to get rid of all the imagery that you had before with the old name. I understand all of that. 
but the uniforms are just night and day different from what they used to be, you know, especially when they wear the black uniforms. So the question I'm asking you is this. Do you want to see more of a tieback, some more history with this football team to what it once was? Or do you want them to completely distance themselves? So basically the conversation that I'm referencing the other day on B. Mitch and Finley was this. JP was talking about a cha- whether they change the name or not. But he's talking about maybe you go back to something that starts with the letter R and you can go back to the helmet that they wore back in the 70s where you've got the yellow helmet with the circle R and you could do something like that. You take the feathers off and I think you could have a tie to the past. It's no longer the Redskins, but it's something that still ties back to that. You know, you remember those franchises because I think it's kind of wrong to just go and completely act like none of that ever happened. Obviously, if you do that, you'd act like you never won Super Bowls. So for me, here's the thing that I'm looking for. I would love for the old uniforms to come back. I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from because I don't like these new uniforms. I don't hate the burgundy ones, but they're still weird with the gold numbers. I think that there's a difference between classic and outdated, and a lot of people said that the jerseys that they wore last during the Washington football team era were outdated, and I don't think that's the case. I think they were classic-looking jerseys where you've got the burgundy jersey with the white numbers. I think that was a sharp look, and that was the team that we all grew up rooting for, and so now when you turn it on and you've got this gradient in the white jersey that I look to my left and see this John Allen jersey, I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, this is not the team I grew up rooting for. Like, that's the kind of stuff where I get that you can't go back to the old name, but can you not act like you're a totally different team? Can you at least somewhat embrace some of that history that this franchise has had? Some some of those modern jerseys just make it, it's like they look like arena teams or something. Know, you know, it, it's just it looks like, like that an highlighter yellow team. that the Seahawks use now. I will never understand that. But like, do you do you agree with me? Where you know this is a team that has a lot of historical value. You know, this is a for team sure, that's been for sure. one of the marquee franchises in the NFL. Obviously, a lot's happened under Snyder, and we can. We don't need to get into all that. But it feels like when they rebranded Commanders, they just threw a lot of that history away because you turn on the TV and the helmet's obviously different. The the jerseys are completely different. Like, everything is so different when I get that you had to change the name, but you didn't have to change everything about it. I get the other side. Some people say you need to get rid of everything and just disassociate with all of that stuff, and maybe that's where some people are. But in my opinion, when I look at it, I don't see a reason that you can be the Washington Commanders and maybe still wear the the matte helmet with the W on it, but why does it have to be a completely different jersey? Why does it have to be a completely different look? I think a couple of years ago, also, they slightly changed the shade of burgundy that they were using also. Yeah, I like the darker which burgundy. Make, yeah, I like the older one, too. I mean... You can you don't really notice it until you see people wearing an old one and a new one kind of next to each other, and, and then you notice it, you know. But I wish they'd go back. I I don't know. I don't know why they changed that. That was one thing that never needed to be tweaked was the colors. And that's my thing. Like those little things that were changed. Like we finally got clarity on this, and I'm glad Jason Wright went on B. Mitch and Finley and basically shut down the notion that there was any chance they could go back to the old name. That wasn't going to happen. You know, I had that discussion. I think a month or so ago and was a little more blunt than a lot of the hosts were around here with it and basically said, it's not going to happen. So don't even waste your time. And now we kind of see that it's not going to happen, but I don't see why they have to just completely distance themselves from 
the formerly fran- the franchise formerly known as Redskins. Like you don't have to completely distance yourself from it. You got still the burgundy and gold. I get that, but you don't have to change the uniform so drastically that it doesn't look like the same football team. And you don't have to try to modernize all this. Like if you wanted to change it, maybe you change the fonts of the numbers a little bit, or maybe you tweak, make some minor tweaks. Like the Colts have done that with their Jersey and it still looks like the Indianapolis Colts, but they're slight minor tweaks. Whereas when I turn on a TV and they're wearing the black uniforms, I know some people think they're really cool. And I think the Jersey itself, and I think the uniform itself is cool, but it's not the team I grew up rooting for. I turned on the TV. I remember the first time they wore them against Dallas. I turned on the TV to watch the game, and I'm like, who's this? You know, it just, you know the feeling you get when it's your team, and you turn them on, and you sit down to watch it, and it's, you just know that feeling you get? I didn't get that feeling. It's a huge problem in the NBA right now. I feel like I turn on games, and you're like, oh, and here's the Wizards wearing hot pink, and the Bucks are in powder blue. You're like, what? <laughs> like, what are these teams? Like, it doesn't even make sense, like, See, I don't mind that as much. It drives me nuts because it's like every game I watch, I feel like the teams are just wearing completely opposite colors of what you're used to seeing them in. That's true. And it'd be like one thing if they're like, oh, yeah, they're going to try a different shade of blue this year. Just like, like fine. But like the complete nothing to do with the team's colors or like it just drives me nuts. And the NBA is really bad. And I see the NFL kind of doing that with all these like throwbacks almost every week. There's some teams wearing throwbacks. and Well, and to your point about throwbacks, this is where I get to it. You're the Washington Commanders now. Let's just assume they don't rebrand to something. Say they stick with Washington Commanders. Do you just completely forget from 1932 until what was 2022 or 2021 when they rebrand to 222? So you forget from 1932 when they were initially founded all the way up until 2022 well, they, when they became the Commanders? They were the, the Braves originally, I think, right? The Boston yeah, the Braves. Boston Braves yeah. when they started in 1932. Are we just completely throwing away that 90-year history so that we can be the Washington Commanders. So when you decide, oh, they're wearing their throwbacks, maybe we'll wear our throwbacks. What are the throwbacks? The Washington football team? Is that what they're going to do? Or are they going to at least at some point find a way to embrace that history? You know, maybe you find a way to wear, you know, you think of Daryl Green wearing some of those throwback unis where it's got the spear on the side of the helmet. Maybe you don't wear the spear on the side of the helmet if you want to avoid that. But you can wear that dark burgundy jersey again you can wear the yellow pants again. You can wear, you know, the 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 yellow helmet with the the R on the side. Like, can you not find ways to wear some of that stuff? Because it seems like all these other teams, like the Tennessee Titans are going to wear Houston Oilers throwbacks. That's awesome. Does this team just completely act like they never had a team before? And so when they decide to go with throwbacks, they can't wear throwbacks until they change these jerseys? Like, I don't get why they have to completely act as if that history before never existed. Yeah, I don't know. I'll tell you too. I hate the W logo. I think it's just dumb and boring. <laughs> well, and that's something we can get into too. Like, do you want them to rebrand? And if you do, do you do they need to have a tie back to the old name? Like, do you want them to go with? I know there was a big movement for Red Wolves. Do they have to go with Red Wolves so that you can stick with the red and you got HTTR back and all those things? Or do you need them to go with Red Tails? I kind of like that concept. Do you need them to do that? You want them to go back to Washington football team. My thing is, I don't necessarily care what the name is. They stick with commanders. We'll get used to it over time. We may never like it, but we'll get used to it over time, whatever. But I don't like the fact that we just have to act as if those 90 years before 2-2-22 ever happened. I think that that's kind of foolish because if you're going to do that, you might as well get rid of all of this and say that this team was established in 2022. 
you might as well act like the Super Bowls never happened and it was a different franchise. Because this doesn't always look like the football team that I watched growing up. You know, when you turn on the television, that's kind of how I feel. Like, the Green Bay Packers, when you turn on the TV, you know it's the Green Bay Packers because they've been wearing the same uniform for year after year after year. That, I, I that, think that's part of why I hate the W so much. Like, as much as I don't think, like, the the Indian head profile, they're never bringing that back. No. and But it had a sense of, it just looked like an old school logo. You know, like the the Packers G or like whatever, and I think this W it doesn't. It looks like something you'd see on like some modern minor league team or something. And if they could come up with something that like almost looked like a something to do with DC that you'd look see on a coin or something and make a logo that looked like that, it looks so much cooler. Like have a bit of tradition in it. You know? Yeah, and my thing is like you have to accept the fact that all of the stuff with the old team name is gone. That's not coming back. So it'll never come back. And. It, whether people want it to or not, it's, it's never going to happen. And so you kind of yeah. have to accept that. So I understand some people are going to be frustrated by that. But it's not going to happen. But in turn, you don't have to throw away all of the history alongside of it. Like You can throw away the name. You can throw away the logo. But don't throw away the 90 years of the football team that existed with that name. You know, I, I just feel like there's a lot of history with it so that you can wear the old uniforms. And I think... That's kind of the main thing, in my opinion, if we're having this discussion, is the uniforms. I've heard Doc Walker talk about this. Like, bring back those uniforms. Because, you know, when you think about the Packers, the legendary franchises, the Raiders, like the teams that you think of when you think about the NFL that have been the same for forever. You know, if the Chargers want to change their uniforms, I don't really care as much. You know, if the Panthers want to change their uniforms, I don't really care as much. Like, some of the newer teams, like, if you want to do those things, you don't have the history. Do whatever you want. This team has lots of history, and yet I watch a team wear a white jersey that has gradients in the numbers. What the heck is that? You know, that's not what this team is. This team is a classic franchise. Don't act as if it isn't. Yeah, it, again, it looks like an arena team or something when they do stuff like that, you know, and, and you expect that kind of the bright colors and clashing and whatever, but but not from a team that's been around, you know, since the 30s. So, you know. Exactly. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap up this discussion. I want to get into some Nationals talk as we'll wrap up the show before we head into Nats baseball at 3.30. More discussion on the name and the uniforms next here on The Fan. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 3.30 before we turn it over to Charlie and Dave coming up in about 40 minutes or so. Nationals baseball, game three of the series against the Marlins. You can hear it right here on 106.7 The Fan. And then following that, Hokies football as they open the season against Old Dominion, kickoff at 8 o'clock. As we wrap up this discussion, 
you know, we were talking in the break, and it's just at some point there's an association with teams and uniforms and colors, and I get that they're still the burgundy and gold, but it just doesn't look like the team. And you talked about the NBA, and I think it's a great example of it, like you said. I mean, when you watch a Hardwood Classics game on NBA TV right now, you know exactly who's playing, right? You can immediately, like, oh, that's the Lakers and Celtics. Think about in a couple of years, you know, 15, 20 years, people are going to turn on the TV and be like, who the heck is playing? You know, like, you're, you're, you're going to be like, you have to look. I mean, I do it now and have that question. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's you, true. And, you know, that's kind of where I'm at where you look at these jerseys, and again, you know it's the Burgundy and Gold, so you know it's your team. But why do you have to act like a team that was established in 1932 that has the history that it does just didn't exist? I get getting rid of the name. I've already accepted that. You know, and if you wanted the name back, I think you have to accept that. The The logo's not coming back. Those things aren't going to happen. But you also don't have to act as if everything that was associated with that was bad. Like, there's nothing wrong with a burgundy jersey with white numbers or a white jersey with burgundy numbers with gold trim. There's nothing wrong with that. So why in the world are they getting rid of all of that with it. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. I get that you have to move on, but don't act as if everything is wrong with it. Because, you know, you get to see all these other teams making cool throwbacks that don't have the history of this team. And yet, this team is stuck with the same exact uniforms that they've worn since last year. And a distinguished franchise like this should not be wearing futuristic-looking uniforms. This is a team that has a lot of history. It'd be something, you know, if the Packers had to change their name for whatever reason. Okay, we'll keep the same uniforms. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're still going to be green and gold. They're still going to be everything that's the Packers. They just changed the name, but you still know who they are. Maybe you want to say that they should completely a distance themselves from it, but I just disagree with that. I think you can drop the name. I think you can drop the logo and you can still keep the other stuff and accomplish what you're trying to accomplish without having to throw every single thing out. You know, and that's kind of what JP was talking about, you know, referencing this conversation. JP brought that up. B Mitch is like, well, maybe with the rebrand, you kind of want to just distance yourself from everything. But I think that's the wrong decision. And maybe that's what they're trying to do. Well, who knows? Maybe with Josh Harris and, you know, you wait a year and maybe they'll consider changing the name and in turn bringing back the old uniforms or changing the uniforms to be a little closer to what they once were. But you know what this team has always been. It was easy when you turned on the television to know who they were because they'd worn the same uniforms for years. And you get accustomed to that and you get attached to it. And... Maybe I'm just foolish here, but I think that they should find a way to go back to that, even if they're not going to go back to the old name. 800-636-1067. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to get into some Nationals discussion. We had a report today that I think is interesting as we still await a Mike Rizzo extension. Also want to talk about the game last night. I think it was a nice microcosm of what we've seen out of the Nationals this year. We'll talk about the Nats next here on 106.7 The Fan. Final half hour here. 1067 The Fan, Odyssey app, taking you up until Nationals Baseball, which begins at 3.30 with Nats on deck. Charlie and Dave getting you set 
For Nationals and Marlins, Game 3 of the series, the Nationals have dropped the first two, lost 5 of 6. They'll look to kind of figure things out again. It seems like, you know, I was talking about this on Bustin' Loose Baseball the other day with Grant Paulson. You can check that out on the Odyssey app if you'd like to hear some more Nationals discussion. I mentioned this to him the other day, and it just seems like usually when you talk about the dog days of summer for baseball, you're talking about, you know, end of July, early August, maybe middle of July. It seems like they hit the dog days right now. Like, it just seems like the Nationals have hit a little bit of a wall. They're exhausted. But I've brought this up before as well. I want these guys to continue going through all of these things. I know some people are like, well, maybe shut some of these guys down. Maybe give Gore the rest of the year off. Maybe shut down a guy like a Jake Irvin who pitched last night. Maybe give some of these guys some extra time off. But I like the idea of letting these guys go through the grind. And... I don't necessarily care about their numbers through the grind, honestly. Like a guy like a C.J. Abrams or even looking at the pitchers like Josiah Gray, Mackenzie Gore, Jake Irvin. I don't care about the numbers because what I want is I want them to go through what September feels like after you've already gone through the grind of a season, going through a full 162. Because think about it. Maybe next year this team improves significantly and they're fighting for a playoff spot and September is going to mean something. And I don't want it to be the first time they've gone through that in a meaningful year. I'd rather them have gone through it this year when if they go out there and they play horribly, that's okay. That's not that big of a deal. I want them to experience, though, what it's like to go through the grind of the full season so that that way, when it actually becomes time for them to go through September and it's meaningful baseball, they'll be ready to be able to perform. You know, and I look at a guy like a Jake Irvin last night, I thought he pitched pretty well. And you look at his... Numbers for the season now. He's gone 107 and two-thirds innings. He's got a 435 ERA and 21 starts. you got to be pretty encouraged by what you've seen from Jake Irvin this season. You know, last Saturday, he made a start against Miami. And then last night, he started again against Miami. And I think that's important to see what he did last night because you're facing a team for the second time in a row. They're going to have an idea of what you got. So last Saturday against Miami, he went six innings. Gave up four hits, only gave up one earned run, walked three, three strikeouts. Last night against Miami, five innings, only gave up the four hits again, three earned runs, three walks, and four strikeouts. But I think that's a solid outing. I'll take that out of a fifth starter. And I think that's kind of what Jake Irvin's looking at right now, possibly going into next season. He's going to be looking at that fifth starter role. And I think that's fine. The fact that he can go out there and give you, you know, a four... 35 ERA in 107 innings, you're fine with that. And so that's kind of my thing for the rest of this season is getting these guys through the grind. Now, if you see any fatigue in the arm where the the miles per hour drops, you know, the, the velocity's down, the command is gone, you know, those sort of things, okay, fine. I, I'm fine sitting them down. But I don't need to sit them down unless there's injury concern because I just want to see them continue to go through this so they understand. I mean, you look at the team up the road a little bit, the Orioles, they're having a lot of pitchers go through this sort of season for the first time. Outside of a guy like a Kyle Gibson, you know, Tyler Wells hasn't done this before. Grayson Rodriguez hasn't done these sort of things before. So these guys are all having to go through September and then obviously into October for the first time. And they're competing. I'd rather the Nationals go through it beforehand so that way they at least have an understanding how to care for their bodies, 
how to understand what you know where they're fatiguing and make sure they can understand how to rehab and get everything ready for the next start what they need to do in their bullpens you know just all the little things that you have to do off the field I want them to kind of understand those things and that's where you have to have some of that leadership with Davey Martinez but this is one thing that I think is interesting we got some of this news today this morning from Jesse Doherty of the Washington Post and I don't know what to make of it so he reported that Johnny DePuglia, the Nationals longtime director of international scouting, has resigned. Didn't give really a reason why. He's been one of Mike Rizzo's most trusted side guys, and it, he's been there for more than a decade, and he helped sign Juan Soto. And again, that's from Jesse Doherty in the Washington Post. I don't know what to make of this, because if this is a guy that's been around so long, and he has been, he's been with Rizzo for a long time, Ordinarily, it'd be fine, except for the fact that we're still waiting on a contract extension for Mike Rizzo. And I don't know why. We talked about this earlier this week on Bust and Loose Baseball, Grant Paulson and I, again, on the Odyssey app. And we were talking about what's the lead. You know, last week we had a lot of news about the Nationals. This week, it was more so just back to baseball. It wasn't the, the retirement news and other things going on. It was more so just what was happening with the big league ball club. And so there wasn't as many interesting storylines because the Nationals have struggled a little bit over the last week. But my main storyline still continues to be and probably will be throughout the rest of September. Where's the extension for Mike Rizzo? What's going on here? You know, he goes on with the junkies and talks about getting the deal done for Davey Martinez. And that's good and well. And I'm fine with that. But if I had to choose between the two, I would have chosen Mike Rizzo. So why are we still waiting on the contract extension for Mike Rizzo? You know, this is something that is really down to Mike Rizzo and ownership. You know, I mean, Mike Rizzo talked about getting the deal done for Davey, kind of working with it, and kind of patted himself on the back in the interview with the Junkies. Now it's up to ownership to just pay Mike Rizzo. What's going on? It doesn't look like he's going to go to Chicago for the White Sox job. I don't know where else he would go. Maybe he'd go to the Yankees if something happened to Cashman. But why are we still waiting on this? I think Rizzo wants to stick around. But why in the world are we still waiting on this extension? I think this ultimately just comes down to the Nationals just need to pay him. The learners just need to pay him. But I don't get why we're still waiting. Because we've had this discussion before. If you had to choose between the two, or if you were giving extensions to both, I would stand on the table for Mike Rizzo. I would not stand on the table for Davey Martinez. I like Davey the guy. I think he does a really good job in the clubhouse. I think he's done good things for this team during the rebuild. I'm not getting rid of the general manager, though, that's been at the helm of the ship during the rebuild. He kind of understands what's going on. He sees the plan. He's the one with the plan. So why are we still waiting on his extension? Because it's getting a little worrying at this point. You know, he's the one that decided in 21 that it was time to move on. I talked about this the other day with the Angel stuff. You got to give Rizzo credit. He had some foresight. They would have been well within their own right to consider 2021 maybe sticking around and holding on to some guys and going for it again in 2022 because they won a World Series in 2019. Look at what the Angels did. They haven't won anything, and they decided to go all in, and then it didn't work. 
And now they're going to be left in a bad spot for years to come because they didn't trade Shohei and they traded away a lot of their good prospects, which they don't have any good prospects, but they traded them away to bring in guys. Rizzo at least had some foresight and said, yeah, this team doesn't have it and moved on. And so now you have CJ Abrams. Now you have James Wood. Now you have Mackenzie Gore, Josiah Gray, Gabriel Ruiz. Now you have all those guys. At least Mike Rizzo has a plan. Well, what is going on? I don't need, in the middle of a rebuild, the general manager to be changing. And why would you sign the manager but not the general manager? Shouldn't the GM choose the manager? So why would you have done the Davey Martinez deal so that he can stick around if something's going to happen with Rizzo? Like, if the new GM comes in, shouldn't he be able to pick who the manager should be? And ideally, you would just keep both these guys. I think if there were a time to move on from them, maybe it came a couple years ago if you don't like them. Maybe it comes in a couple of years. It's not right now. You're right in the middle of a rebuild that is looking successful at the time being. This team isn't good by any stretch of the imagination. They're still going to lose, you know, probably 90 games. But at the same point, that is way past expectations. So why would you decide in a year where the Nationals have far exceeded expectations to move on from the general manager. I'm a little concerned about this Mike Rizzo stuff. I am. Because you have one of his top executives stepping down today. Maybe it's something that has nothing to do with the other. But we're still waiting on a Mike Rizzo extension that should have been done right around the same time that Davey Martinez was done, and that was weeks ago. And we're still waiting on it. It was said to be close then. It's said to be close now. But close isn't good enough. I need this thing to be done. Because at some point, if it's not getting done, those other jobs start looking appealing. You can go somewhere where maybe you're not as handcuffed as you are right now with the Nationals. I don't know. It's very concerning. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the game last night. Because I think if you look at last night, I think it shows a nice microcosm of what this season has been for the Nationals. Where they're scrappy but they're still coming up a little bit short. But maybe we're seeing some growth in this team that that can carry over to next year, and hopefully they can get things really going in the right direction next season. We'll talk about that next as we wrap up overtime here on 106.7 The Fan. Final segment here on 106.7 The Fan and the Odyssey app. Toby Altizer taking you up until Nationals baseball. We'll turn it over to Charlie and Dave coming up in about 10 minutes. Get you ready for game three between the Marlins and the Nationals to talk a little bit about last night's game because I feel like it gave you a little sense as to what this team was and could be and what they really are right now. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a couple of moments. But first, I want to get out to the MGM National Harbor listener line and talk with Chris from Damascus. Chris, what's going on? Hey, Toby. Nice to talk to you. A um, couple of things. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about Rizzo as well. Not as much about him, why he hadn't signed yet. Just overall, man, because I think he's done an awesome job, um, you know, uh, that he had Harper set to be traded to the Astros in 17, but yep. the learners wanted to hang on, kind of similar to Shohei Otani here with the Angels, right? Isn't that true? Yeah. More or less, and the owner just thought maybe something would change. Anyway, and then the only other thing he may you could question would be Strasburg signing, but they had to sign somebody. Yeah, from I, that don't, I, don't, I don't hate that one as much because... The optics, I get that you can't make all the moves for optics, but the optics after 2019, when arguably the two most important people on that run could have been 
Rendon and Strasburg, and you just want to let both of those guys walk. I don't, I don't hate the Strasburg deal. Yeah, well, I didn't. Yeah, I figured they might. I mean, and he is working with a budget. We got to understand we're a mid-market team for the time being until we just get our roots. Heck, we're still a teenager, for heaven's sake. And um, speak and so Rizzo's important to me. And speaking of which, so the initial article by Barry Zerluga way back in the spring or before in spring about the sale of the team when we first heard about it, and he said something there that. It puzzled me. I don't know if I run this by you yet. About they would disclose their financials. I said, okay, that must have something to do with massing. But why is that noteworthy enough for Zerluga to put that in his article? When I mean, you would assume anybody buying the team you'd see the financials, or is that something the public can see? I didn't understand that. Do you? What do you? Do you call yeah, that and a, make anything of that? And, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one either, Chris. Appreciate okay, the phone okay. call. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one either. I don't, I'm not great with the business stuff. That had to be a question maybe for Barry or I'm sure Grant and Danny probably understand that a little bit better if they were to take a call on something like that. I don't quite know what that was all about, no. But, you know, again, I'm very concerned about where we're at with Mike Rizzo at this point. But I want to finish up talking about the game last night because I think last night shows you a microcosm of what this baseball team is, what it can be, but what it is right now. And last night, you know, I, I kind of was figuring I would talk about the game last night, and early on last night they were kind of doing their their scrappy Nats thing early on, where Yuri Perez is a fantastic player, fantastic pitcher, young guy who looks like he's going to be a stalwart in their rotation for years to come, and he's faced the Nationals now three times. His first two times. In May, he went five innings, only gave up three hits, one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, had given up a solo homer, and that was it. And then he'd faced the Nationals last Sunday, and he went six innings, three hits, one run, it wasn't earned, one walk, and seven strikeouts. So combined against the Nationals going into last night, 11 innings, only six hits, two runs, one of them earned, two walks, and 13 strikeouts. And so this is a team that, you know, going into last night, obviously they'd done the same thing like I mentioned with Irvin where they were facing him for a second straight time. But this is going to be a tough ask last night. And they chased him in the fifth inning last night. He went four and two-thirds, five hits, three earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts, three solo homers. Like that's a totally different ball club than what showed up against him last time he was out there. And I think that shows you some of the growth for the Nationals where from start to start on these guys, they're going to be able to grow. They're going to be able to get better. And so I think you're seeing, you know, that's a that's improvement. That shows some growth from the young Nationals. Obviously, C.J. Abrams going deep last night. You love to see those sort of things. And I believe, if I saw correctly, that was the first home run that had been given up by Yuri Perez on his curveball last night. You love to see those sort of things. Lane Thomas. He'd been on the schneid of not hitting a home run since August 8th. He found the home run stroke again last night. Travis Blankenhorn, he rolls into town in his first game up with the big league club being a September call-up, and he made a big impact last night with a home run. And I think you saw last night from this team what they can be and what they're going to grow into, a scrappy team. I think that's going to be something that's going to be a hallmark of this team for the next couple of years because I don't think they're going to be overly talented compared to other teams, 
maybe when they start calling up some of these young guys, but even so, they're going to have to grow into their roles. So I think this team is still just going to be a very scrappy baseball team, but in the end, you saw what this baseball team is. And that's a team that's just a little bit short on talent. They did really well throughout the game, and then you got down to the end, and they had to start bringing in relievers that just... They're probably not major league arms. Or at least they shouldn't pitch much. (laughs) Honestly. And, you know, you bring in Robert Garcia, and it just didn't work there. And Mason Thompson, I still think he can be a solid reliever, but he struggled really since that first month of the season. And so you're starting to see what this baseball team can be, but they're just held back by a little bit on the talent curve. But this is a team that's largely overachieved this season. You know, when I projected out what I thought this team could be this year before the season started, I said 65 and 97. And right now the Nationals sit at 62 and 74. So I'm assuming they're going to win more than three games out of their last 26. (laughs) I would assume they're going to go better than three and 23. But even so, this is a team that's going to get close to 70 wins, if not go over it. I would think that they're going to go over 70 wins. This is a team that was not expected to be anywhere near that. And so you've seen growth from all the young guys. It's been important seeing how C.J. Abrams has progressed throughout the season. And I think when you look at C.J.'s season as a whole, if you were to look at the numbers, you'd be satisfied with them. But I feel like you almost have to be more satisfied the way that it's come. Where early in the year, he started a little bit slow. He was a guy that maybe looked like he was in over his head a little bit at times. And then all of a sudden, things started to click in July around the All-Star break. He gets moved up in the leadoff spot, and he's been really good since then. He's obviously cooled off since that hot streak when he first got put in the leadoff spot. But he's a guy that's now showing you, okay, he can be the everyday shortstop, and I think he can be an everyday shortstop on a competitive baseball team. Steals a lot of bags, finds a way to get on base, and then last night, he shows you once again that he's got a little pop in that bat, maybe more so than you'd expect. So I think CJ's shown you growth. Obviously, you've seen Mackenzie Gore It's kind of been up and down at times with him throughout the season, but overall, I think when you watch him, you see the talent there, and you see the ability that he can have to dominate outings. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Josiah Gray has shown you some growth from last year. He's taken a big step back since he was named an All-Star. In the second half, he has not been very good. Aside from one start at Yankee Stadium, he's really struggled. But, again, you're seeing growth. This was a guy that came into the year having given up the most home runs last year and ERA over five, and he was named an all-star. Showed you a good first half. He needs to find a way to be more consistent. But again, a lot of growth from these guys, but they're lacking maybe the overall depth. Maybe they're lacking the full team element. That's kind of where I'm at with this baseball team. They've got some fun guys. They've got some guys that have played well and have developed throughout the year. And, you know, you feel bad for Stone Garrett because that was a guy that looked like You know, he was getting a big opportunity and maybe he was going to be able to show himself to either whether it was the Nationals where he could stick in the order or it was someone else. You feel bad for those kind of guys. But overall, you have to be happy with what you've seen from the Nationals this season. But just going back to what you saw last night, I think it was a nice microcosm of what this season has been for the Nationals where very scrappy at the beginning, played really well, looked like they could win the ball game, but they just came up a little bit short. And I think that's overall what this Nationals team is, where they've got a lot of stuff where they could compete, but they aren't quite there yet. They're not quite there yet. 
They're scrappy. They're fun to watch. They've got some talent, but they're not quite there yet. But the nice part is they're not far away because Dylan Cruz is in double A. James Woods in double A. Freddie House is in double A. You know, these guys could be coming very soon. The Nationals aren't afraid to bring guys up from Harrisburg right to Nats Park. So that's going to be exciting to see over the next year, next two years. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Been fun talking about the Commanders, wrapping up with some Nationals discussion. Again, Nationals game comes up next. Then you've got Virginia Tech football following the Nationals game tonight. For Chris, doing all the hard work behind the scenes. Appreciate you guys listening in. I'm Toby Altizer saying talk to you later and enjoy some Nationals baseball. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.